Welcome to the Graceway Sermon Cast. Graceway is a Baptist church located in Lexington, Kentucky. To learn more about our ministry, check us out at www.gracewaylex.org. Now, here's this week's message. And that's what this series is really built around is the fact that God is with us. See, the miracle of and the joy of Christmas is really rolled into that statement. It's really the, the, the backdrop of the entire series that we're in. It's the backdrop of the entire Christmas story, and it's the backdrop of the gospel. It's the backdrop of the New Testament is God is with us. All the way through the Old Testament, you saw God with humanity. You saw God with his chosen, his chosen people, but he was only with them in certain places. He had a specific presence, but now God is with us, living inside of us, present with us. When Jesus was here, it was literally God here in the form of a man. See, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, the fact that God became human for the sake of humanity, it fuels the message and spirit of Christmas, and it fuels the entire New Testament message. It fuels and fuses back with the Old Testament. Every word of this book, Old Testament, New Testament, table of context, indexes, maps, concordance, all of it drips with Jesus Christ, the God-man, the one who came to be God with us. So this morning, I want to look at Luke chapter 2, and we're actually going to skip about six weeks beyond Jesus' birth uh, to the moment when Jesus will come to the temple to be presented at the temple. It's a custom that we're not usually familiar with. This is akin maybe to what we practice here in the church today called baby dedication. But it was a little bit more intense than that. Um, it's when especially a male baby was brought to be uh, circumcised. We can't seem, we've been in Romans, we can't seem to get away from circumcision for some reason. But he was brought to be circumcised and presented there at the temple. So this is what we're going to be looking at this morning. Beginning in Luke chapter 2, verse number 21, and reading down through the end of the chapter, it says this, When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus. And the name given by the angel before he was conceived. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were finished, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, just as it is written in the law of the Lord that every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice, according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and was devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation. And to the Holy Spirit was on him, and he, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple, and when the parents brought him in the child, excuse me, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the laws, Simeon took him up in his arms and praised God and said, "Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace." as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to your people Israel. His father and his mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Mary, indeed this child is destined to cause the fall and the rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that he will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess her name was Anna, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, and she was well along in years, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, and she was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and with prayers, and at that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption in Jerusalem. 
And when they had completed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the boy grew up and became strong, filled with wisdom, and God's grace was on him. Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that you would speak to us, that you would illuminate us to the truth of your word, Lord God. God, we thank you for your word, for it is your presence with us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are Emmanuel, that you are God with us. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the comforter who dwells inside of each one of us as believers, guides us and teaches us all truth. I pray this morning that you would be glorified in everything that is said and done and that you would speak this morning. Open our eyes, our hearts, our ears to what you have for us today. God speak. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Have you ever noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, and my kids go through this problem. When I was a kid, I went through this problem. Have you ever noticed that kids have a hard time waiting for Christmas? Remember back to when you were a kid, did you have a hard time waiting for Christmas too? Yeah, it, it's, it's a long wait. It's a long wait for Christmas. The longest night of the year is Christmas Eve for a kid, right? For me, the longest night of the year was Christmas Eve. I was never going to be able to get sleep on Christmas Eve. I don't think I ever slept on Christmas Eve. Matter of fact, TBS, I don't know if they still do this, but they would show a Christmas story, you know, that movie with Ralphie and you'll shoot your eye out. They would show that just back to back to back to back because it was before on demand and Netflix and all that type of stuff. So you just had to watch whatever they threw on the TV. So you just kind of had to live with what they gave you. I watched a Christmas story probably uh, seven times through and then I knew it was time to get up for Christmas because uh, my mom would always say, we're not doing this before daylight. She weakened a little bit. Uh, we would do like 5.30 or 6, I believe it was. But it was like being locked in a cellar or locked in, like, locked in solitary confinement on Christmas Eve. Don't come out of your room. Don't come out of your room until I say it's okay. But anyway, uh, we always have a hard time when it comes to waiting. Uh, Mom, there's more to come, so I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> I'm picking on Adam, too, and I know he's watching virtually, so you guys are going to love me a lot. I'm not getting any gifts from you for Christmas. So. But here's some actual letters that are written to Santa that shows just how anticipatory um, Christmas is for kids. Dear Santa Claus, when you come to my house, there will be cookies out for you, but if you're really hungry and are watching your carbs, use, your phone and order, use our phone and order some DoorDash. Okay? Dear Santa, I want a puppy. I want a playhouse. Thank you. I've been good most of the time, but my teacher says sometimes I'm wild. Dear Santa, and this is from a four-year-old, I'll take anything I can get because this year I haven't been really good. I'm just being honest. Dear Santa, I'm not going to ask for a lot, so here's my list. I want a new pair of Jordans. I need two packs of number two pencils, two new PlayStation games, a PlayStation 5, and the biggest gift of all, my own 65-inch LED TV. Maybe you could cancel the pencils, though, because I don't want to sound really selfish. There you go. So Christmas is always torturous, waiting to see if they get what they ask for, whether it be from Santa or whether it be from mom and dad or whether it be from grandma or grandpa, it doesn't matter. Um, some of the adults, let's be honest, it's hard to wait for Christmas too. Some of you are saying, I'm just waiting for Christmas to be over with because Christmas is like busy, Christmas is stressful, and for a lot of people, Christmas is tough. So sometimes we're just, we're, we're all waiting on something at Christmas. We're waiting for something, right? I remember one Christmas, my brother and I, we decided that we would join forces and we decided that we would ask for one big gift together. We wanted, and this will date when, this will tell you how old we are. We wanted the Nintendo Entertainment System, the NES. We're not talking Nintendo 64, not Super Nintendo. We wanted the Nintendo 8-bit Mario, the original, yeah, OG 
video game system. Okay, but we didn't just want the Nintendo Entertainment System. No, 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 no. We wanted the Nintendo Power Pad set. Anybody remember the Power Pad? Oh yeah, Power Pad. You plug it into your Nintendo. You had these dots. It looked like a twister, a twister mat, but you could run on it, and it would like read your your foot pressure, and you could run on this on the screen. It was awesome. And then it also, also, not only did it come with two controllers, not only did it come with a power pad, but it came with two guns. Not real guns. Okay. All right. Uh, but two guns, two blasters that you could play this awesome game called Duck Hunt, where you could shoot at the, at the, at the ducks on the screen. This is what Adam and I joined forces together and we wanted the Nintendo Power Pad Duck Hunt blaster set. All right. It's what everybody was asking for that year. So we, you know, maybe we got it, maybe we didn't. Right. So like I said, uh, Christmas Eve came, and mom, like normal, she would, it was like she would carry these big keys, you know, with, well, you know, the big ring of, of keys like a jailer would carry on Christmas Eve. I'm teasing. She never did that. But she would tell us, go in your room and stay there. Don't come out until I tell you, because a lot of times she would spend Christmas Eve wrapping because she knew that we would try to, you know, get, get our gifts early and unwrap them and, and, and you know, just, just check, okay? So she would hide the gifts and a lot of times and stuff. Okay, so anyway, so that night... Uh, we can't sleep, and we don't hear a lot of paper, like something weird's going on, okay? So morning comes, and mom says, you can come out. And so we come running down the hallway, wondering if we got the Nintendo, and we look, and there are no pre there's like presents around the tree, but they're not wrapped. All right, I'm like, what in the world? She didn't wrap the presents. Why did we have to stay awake? Why did we have to stay up all night waiting for this? And we look, and there's like, we had one of those cool console TVs. You know, this is before flat screens, right? You know, remember the TV that was also furniture? You know what I mean? Like it was, was huge and, you know, it had, had like wood and built in and all that type of stuff, okay? Um, so we had this, and like laying all around the TV are these clothes. What kid wants clothes at Christmas? Let's be honest. And socks, now, now I like socks, okay? But there's these clothes just like laying out on the, on the ground. Like we, there was a couple of gifts that were wrapped, okay? So we got to open them. You know, I got a skateboard for me and Adam got, you know, something weird because he was a weird kid, like a Barbie doll or something like that. I don't know what it was. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, we were, we were kind of like, we, were, we tried to be nice. You know, we didn't want to hurt any feelings. We're like, yeah, that's great. But like, how deaf can you be? All we did was drop like atomic bomb hints that we wanted the Nintendo and it's like, it's not there. You know, we were like, okay, you know, cool. And so after all the presents are unwrapped and everything and mom says, all right, she always, you know, would, would kind of do a little breakfast and stuff like that. Actually, my mom didn't do a little breakfast on Christmas. Big, awesome breakfast. Okay. Um, so she would say, we're going to fix breakfast. And then she said, so I'm going to go fix breakfast. I want you guys to go ahead and go get ready. Go ahead and pick out some of those clothes from that from your new clothes to wear over to your grandpa's for Christmas. And so we're like, okay, you know, we walk over, had to tear Adam away from combing his Barbie's hair or something like that. I don't know what it was. And so we, we go over there and we go to pick up, I go to pick up this sweater and I look and there's something under the sweater. I'm like, what is that? And it was this gray box. And I'm like, whoa, hold on, Nintendo is gray. And I pulled it back and then I see, I see the Nintendo system right there. All right, it's right there. And then I pull back some more clothes, like the pants that I'm supposed to wear. And then I see, oh my gosh, it's the power pad right there. And then we, I pull over these socks and there's the gun right there. And the Nintendo and the power pad and the gun, they were already all hooked up to the TV, ready to go. Mom did good that year, <laughs> right? She got the hint, right? I we finally got what we wanted and we were late getting to grandpa's because we wanted to play. Uh, we wanted to play. It was already hooked up and ready to go. Oh man, it was awesome. It was ready. Everything we needed, right? All the waiting, all the hinting, all the hoping, all the like, come on, man, come through for us. It finally worked off. It finally paid off, right? So let me ask you a question this morning. All of us know or can relate to the anticipation of Christmas. What are you waiting for this Christmas? Everybody's waiting for something, just like I said. Some of you are waiting for a gift. 
Some of you are waiting for good news. Some of you are waiting for a reunion with somebody. Some of you are just waiting for it to be over with because Christmas is tough. We're all waiting for something this Christmas. All of us are waiting. And the beauty of the story of Christmas, the beauty of the incarnation of Christ shows us one of the beautiful things of Christmas is that God met us with the perfect gift when we were needing it. When the world was waiting and when the world could almost wait no more, God came through and the Messiah arrived. What are you expecting to receive? Are you looking forward to anything special or are you just looking to get through it? You see, in this morning's text, we come across two characters or two people in the Bible and they make their appearance in the final acts of the Christmas story. One is a prophet named Simeon, and the other one is a prophetess named Anna. And they don't appear in any of the nativity scenes. You don't hear people singing songs about them a whole lot or anything like that because they actually come a little late to the scene, about six weeks later in the, in the Christmas story. Both of these individuals are significant to the Christmas story and to the Christmas narrative because they were waiting for something. Actually, they were waiting for somebody. They weren't just waiting for something. They were waiting for somebody. And they were waiting for the exact same person that we are waiting for as well. We are always, every one of us, born waiting for Jesus. Jesus is waiting for us today. Will we come to him? Have you come to him? See, Luke uses a Greek word of anticipation in our text that identifies them as waiting with expectation for the coming of the Messiah it literally means that they were alert to his appearance and they were ready to welcome him. It means that Simeon and Anna both had spent their entire lives tuned in with laser focus on the Messiah will come. One day the Messiah will come and he will do everything that the prophecy said the Messiah would do. Simeon and Anna were two people in a time when many people were losing faith and losing hope, were two people who refused to lose faith and refused to lose hope. They were filled with the spirit of Christmas before Christmas even came to them. So we see this word in, the Luke, in Luke chapter 2, verse 25, this, this word of, of anticipation when it says that Simeon was looking forward to Israel's consolation. And then we also see the word used again when it's describing Anna in verse number 38, when it says she was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon and Anna both represent the longing that each one of us have in our hearts for both comfort and for redemption from God on high. So that's what I want to look at this morning. We're talking about waiting for Christmas. I realize that some of you may be waiting for a gift. I realize that some of you may be waiting for kids to come home from, from school or come home from, from being afar or you're waiting to go and see some people or whatever. But this moment right now, I want us to consider just what we're waiting for from God this Christmas. The first example that we see is from Simeon who was waiting for comfort. Simeon was a man who was just waiting for comfort that only God could give. Look again in verse number 25. It says, There was a man in Jerusalem, and his name was Simeon. This man was righteous, and he was devout. And he was looking forward to Israel's consolation. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. So what do we see from this passage that tells us about Simeon? Because not a lot of things tell, there's not a lot of stuff about Simeon that we really know from Scripture. This is about it. This is where Simeon comes in, but he teaches us something very important. But this is about all we see of him. Simeon was a good guy, right? He was righteous and he was devout. When God says you're righteous and devout, 
That's pretty good, right? When God okays it going into the Bible, okay, well, you're, you know, Luke is sitting down to write the word and he's like, I think I'm going to write that Simeon was righteous and devout. And God's like, yeah, that's what I want you to write. Yeah, that's good. This is what God thought about Simeon. And it said this, he was looking forward to Israel's consolation and the Holy Spirit was on him. So Simeon was righteous before the people. He was devout in his relationship with God. And what it means is that everyone that saw Simeon, everyone who knew Simeon respected him highly. They respected his spirituality. They respected his experience. He was a man who walked the walk and talked the talk. And Simeon was an important minister at the time that, that the people really needed a minister who wasn't going to lose faith in God. See, because things hadn't been going well for the nation of Israel. Things hadn't been going well for the world, but especially for God's chosen people. They hadn't heard a word from God for over 400 years. God had gone silent. And for God's people who lived by the word and the declarations of God through prophets and through tablets of Ten Commandments and through scrolls and all of those things and through miracles and signs and wonders, those people, they had been used to hearing from God and seeing from God and for 400 years been silent. It's about six generations of humanity. Nothing. And one thing hadn't happened yet. God hadn't delivered the Messiah and they were desperate for the Messiah. And right now they were under Roman rule. It didn't look like things were going to get any better for a while. They'd lost their political independence. They were living in fear of, of a capable and crafty and cruel king named Herod. And many were wondering if the Messiah would ever come. But here's this man named Simeon who spent his whole life waiting for the Messiah. Verse number 26 says that Simeon had good reason for his hope and for his anticipation, looking forward to Israel's consolation. When everybody else was looking at the word and saying, I don't know if it's going to happen, Simeon is like, I'm looking forward with great anticipation to it happening. You can almost imagine that all of Simeon's sermons were, prepare because God will be here soon. Prepare because the Messiah will come. And everybody's like, yeah, right. We've heard that from my grandpa and our great-grandpa, and it still hadn't come. And in 26, it says, why? He had such hope and anticipation. It says it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. He had been promised he would not see death until he saw the Lord's Messiah. So God had promised this prophet that he would not die until he got to see the Messiah face to face. See, we're not given any indication to how long Simeon lived. I always imagine Simeon to be this old man, you know. Tradition, like even like Orthodox tradition outside of the Bible thinks that maybe God miraculously kept him alive some like 200 years. So they picture him to be some old like guy hunched over with a beard down like ZZ Top and stuff and you're looking like Gandalf from Lord of the Rings or something like that. But really we're not given any indication as to how old Simeon really was. We think that because God said you won't see death until you see the Messiah, we think, okay, maybe he's lived a long life in anticipation and wondering. We don't know. So what happens is he knows and he's been promised by God that he will not die until he sees the Messiah. One thing we have to understand from this is Simeon was given personal comfort by God. He had been given a personal promise from God. You will see the Messiah. He was embodying the promise that God had given to all of his people. You will one day behold the Messiah. And Simeon, this one man, he said, you personally, you'll see him face to face. Simeon's expectation focused on the comfort that Christ would bring. Because like I said, Simeon was living in a time when it was rough, when it was hard, when it was difficult. And what Simeon wanted was the comfort of the Messiah. 
See, because the promise of the Messiah was that he would bring comfort and joy and peace and hope. If you look back in Isaiah, the promise of the Messiah would be that the government would be upon his shoulders and he will be the prince of peace, the mighty one, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And with that came a great deal of comfort. See, among Jews of Simeon's day, one of the popular titles of the Messiah was to be a comforter. And like some of the Christmas songs that we sing today, they were longing for the Messiah to come and bring his comfort to them. You remember that old Christmas hymn, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come to thee, O Israel. The comfort of knowing that God is with us. After 400 years of silence, wondering where God is, God being with us in the form of the Messiah was a great comfort that Simeon was looking forward to. And it strikes me this, that we can learn from Simeon even thousands of years ago, this one man, this one man who was given a promise by God. We weren't given that same promise, that we would see the Messiah like he was. But the comfort that he was given is the same comfort that we long for as well. We long to be comforted. The, long to be, the longing to be comforted is a universal human need. All of us want comfort, don't we? That's why we put pads on the seats for you to sit in. That's why when you came over here, you probably turned the heat on in your car. If you're like me and like Kevin Leatherman, you may have still put the AC on. I don't know. But we long for comfort. But it's not just physical comfort that we long for. We long for spiritual comfort. We long for peace inside of us. And here's, the, here's what the gospel teaches us. The gospel proclaims that we broke that comfort with our sin. And we live in an uncomfortable world, in an uncomfortable existence, because sin has brought death and pain and sickness and sorrow and separation, and all kinds of things to us. But the Messiah brings the comfort. It doesn't remove all of those things from this life, but he brings the comfort of his presence with us in those things. And this is what Israel struggled with. They were waiting for a Messiah that would remove all of the uncomfortable things. They thought when the Messiah showed up, he would, he would just wipe out Caesar and he would wipe out Herod. That's not how Jesus came. Jesus came to be an abiding presence of comfort in our lives. Man, haven't we needed that the past year and a half, two years? You may say, man, I was, I was struggling before pandemic. We all were. Because that struggle reminds us of the need for the comfort that we have in Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit prompted Simeon to go to the temple one day. All right? It says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit prompts him to go to the temple. And when he walks into the temple, he arrives at the right day, at the right time, just as Mary and Joseph have brought their little baby Jesus into the temple. And when Simeon looks at the baby, he's about six weeks old now, he knew that God's promise had been kept. The Spirit revealed to him, this is the one you've been waiting for. Here was Emmanuel. Here was God with us. Here was the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit's promise to Simeon personally to make everything right, to provide significance by his presence in their lives, to eliminate rejection, to eliminate fear, to eliminate loneliness, because how can you be lonely when you've been drawn in by God? And verse 28 tells us that Simeon reached down and he took Jesus out of Mary's arms and began to praise God. Now, I don't know about you, parents, but if you walk up into church for the first time at Christmas and all of a sudden some old guy comes up and takes the baby out of your hands and holds him up kind of like the Lion King and starts singing praise, you're thinking, you know what, maybe we'll visit a different church next Sunday, right? 
<laughs> but for some reason, I don't know. I don't know if Mary freaked out, passed out, whatever. I don't know what happened, but that's left out of the narrative. But we see that he begins to praise God. And he says, I can die now. I mean, guys, I don't know how that, that think about that in reality. Like, it's a beautiful story. Think about it in the reality. This guy who you don't know comes and holds, holds up the baby and says, I can die now. That seems a little weird, right? So Simeon goes on and begins to explain the promise that God had given him and everything. And Mary and Joseph are just dumbfounded. They're more dumbfounded by what God is going to do with that child than they were dumbfounded by what Simeon had just done with their child. As he broke out into praise, he acknowledged that God had not only fulfilled the individual promise to him, but also the promises of the prophets to send the anointed one to comfort both Jews and Gentiles. And see, just as Jesus was sent to bring comfort to the Jewish people at night, Jesus offers comfort and rest and peace to those who are broken and in despair today. That same peace that was offered to Simeon, that same peace and comfort that was offered to the shepherds, to all the Jews who were suffering under oppression, to us, he is the same comfort and peace. Are you leaning upon him? Are you holding him high? Are you waiting for him? We're waiting for that comfort. Every soul, every person is born just waiting for the comfort that only Jesus can bring. Then we see another person. We saw a man, now we see a woman, a prophetess by the name of Anna. While Simeon was waiting for comfort, Anna was waiting for something a little bit different. She was waiting for redemption. It says in our text in verse number 36 through 37, look at this. It says, there was also a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage. And she was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple serving God day and night and fasting with prayers. So while we're not really sure of Simeon's age, we can only guess, we do know that Anna was a very elderly woman. If we do the math by what we know about Jewish custom and Jewish practices, the earliest she could have been married was 12 years old. So if she got married at 12 years old and was married for seven years before she became widowed, she would have been 19. And then she was widowed for 84 years and lived in the temple for 84 years after being widowed. So that makes her at least, if I've done my math correctly, which a lot of times I don't, it makes her at least 103 years old at this moment that we see Jesus arrive. And after her husband had died, she dedicated herself to living in the temple, to fasting and to prayer, waiting for Jesus to come or waiting for this. And so instead of looking for comfort, while she was looking forward to the same person that Simeon was looking forward to, she was looking to forward to him for a different reason. Instead of looking for comfort, Anna was looking for forgiveness. So take a look at verse number 38. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Now we see that word redemption there. In the original language, it can translate to being bought back, to being purchased, to being pardoned, to being set free, to being forgiven. So the word redemption is related to the idea of captivity. And it's related to the idea of being released or freed from that captivity or from that pardon. So the Old Testament Passover feast that celebrated the release of Israel from Egyptian slavery hundreds of years ago, thousands of years before even that moment, was the ultimate redemption and symbol of God's power and release to the captives. So anytime people in Israel began to think about being freed or being set free, they were reminded of what God did to set the people free from slavery in Egypt. 
generations before them. And every year at Passover, they memorialized that moment. And they, they remembered that moment when they, would, when they would kill that lamb and put the blood over the doorpost. And they would have their feast to remind them of God's goodness. But Passover also looked forward to the ultimate redemption, the ultimate forgiveness, the ultimate release from slavery of sin. Was looking forward to the ultimate Passover lamb. You see, there would be a whole lot more captivity in, in, in Israel's history. There would be a lot more slavery too. Babylon would take them away. Persia would take them captive. And now they were suffering under the Roman rule. They hadn't been taken captive, but they had been, they had been occupied there in the land. The land that God had given them was no longer theirs. It belonged to the Romans. And so when Anna saw Jesus, she gave thanks to God and spoke to him, or spoke of him to all who were waiting for redemption. So what that tells us is that Anna, who had lived in the temple in fasting and in prayer, once she saw Jesus, what did she do? She turned and she ran. I don't know how fast she ran at 103 plus years old, but she ran out of the temple and she began telling everybody that their redemption had come, that the Messiah was here. God used a woman who had basically been a shut-in for 84 years to start running around to be the first evangelist telling them the Messiah had come in that town. The shepherds, the lowly among them, were taken out to tell people that Jesus was born as well. They were saying that your redemption has come. The redemption that you've been waiting for from the Messiah has come. And he is all wrapped up in swaddling clothes in a little baby right here in the temple today. The question I ask you this morning is, are you aware of the redemption that Jesus offers? Anna was aware of that. She didn't miss it. She had a heart that was tuned into that. And church, this is the question we have to ask ourselves today. Do we truly have hearts that are tuned in to the redemptive work that God is doing among us today? I think sometimes we can get so wrapped up in other things. We can get so bogged down in looking around and chasing after money, chasing after power, chasing after kids, grandkids, chasing after all these things, worries, that we forget that we have a comforting and redemptive Messiah. And that's who we celebrate this time of year. See, that's the third thing as we close out. Jesus provides everything we need. These are the two things that we need when it comes to our spiritual health. We need comfort. Comfort and peace that only God can give. We need redemption. Forgiveness and pardon and freedom from the slavery of sin. Jesus provides what we need. It's hard to believe that a little baby brought into the temple for just a ceremonial, ritualistic circumcision and presentation before God could provide such joy to these seasoned saints of God. And what's even harder to believe is that a little baby could provide the solution to such deep issues of our humanity. But Jesus is the solution. Call me simple-minded. Call me, just, just call me non-nuanced or whatever you want to call me. But I still believe that Jesus is the solution. I still do. He's still the solution. And he always will be. Jesus provides what we need. He provided the very thing that Simeon was waiting for. He provided the very thing that Anna had been praying and fasting for for 84 years. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse number 10. He provided comfort and redemption. And it, what it says, the angel, when the angels told the shepherds, says, don't be afraid. Look, because I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for what? For all people. 
Because today in the city of David, a Savior is born for you who is Christ, Messiah the Lord. This is what the angel said to the shepherds the night that Jesus was born. It was news that was for all people, that all people, that Jesus was born for us and he's the Savior. He's our comfort. He's our redemption. We have all had that Simeon moment. We cannot, just like Simeon would not die until he saw the Messiah, we must not die until we see the Messiah. Because if we die without the Messiah, it doesn't lead to peace and comfort and joy. So here's the question as I close out this morning. Can any of you identify with Simeon? Can any of you identify with Simeon needing some comfort in your life? Kind of looking around and praying and asking and wondering when God's going to move and beginning to, let's be honest, beginning to doubt whether he's going to? Be a Simeon. Continue to have hope. Continue to have faith. Continue to wait because your comfort is near your comfort is in Jesus. Or can you identify more with Anna? Brokenhearted for the world that you see around you. Brokenhearted for the distance that we have between us and God. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Jesus stands at the ready to give you what you need. To meet you at your point of need. So the question I ask this morning is, what are you waiting for for Christmas? What are you waiting for this Christmas? And then the other thing I want you to ask of yourself is how do I respond to the truth that I just heard? How do I respond to the comfort and to the redemption that is available to me? How do I respond to this? There's three things I want you to consider. Number one, you got to recognize Jesus. You, 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 you just got to look at Jesus. If Simeon hadn't gone that day to the temple, he would have missed him. If Anna hadn't been there, she would have missed him. If the people hadn't been outside the temple when Anna came running through saying that the redemption was there, they would have missed it. Maybe they would have eventually seen it, but they would have missed that opportunity. See, all involved in the Christmas story that we see in Luke chapter 2, not only in our text, but in the text before where Jesus is born, they all recognized Jesus for who he was. The shepherds, when the angel said, here's the Messiah, they said, let's go see the Messiah. Joseph and Mary, when they had been told, the Messiah will be born, they trusted God. Joseph said, I'll still, marry, I'll still marry Mary and I'll be his earthly father. They all signed on. They recognized Jesus as the Messiah. Will you recognize Jesus as your only hope? They all recognized him as your personal Messiah, as the one sent from heaven to bring comfort and forgiveness. They all recognized Jesus. They all, number two, made a move. If you recognize Jesus, you got to make a move. According to our text, both Simeon and Anna made a move. Simeon made a move to the temple that day led by the Spirit. Anna made a move out the doors of the temple to tell people that redemption had come. Mary made a move when she said to the angel back in, Ma in Luke chapter 1, Be it unto me according to your word. Joseph made a move when he decided to stay with Mary and when he took Jesus to Egypt for protection. The shepherds made a move when they said, Let's go to Bethlehem and see the Savior. Which, and see the thing that has happened. The wise men made a move when they saw the star and they began to travel it to the Messiah. Christmas is about people making a move. Will you make a move to Jesus? See, God says salvation is here. Salvation is available, but we must move towards it. We must receive it. It's not just given against our will. We must make a move to him. Have you made a move to your comfort? Have you made a move towards redemption? Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? And then the last thing is we need to share the message. Notice verse number 38 again. It says, She gave thanks to God. She spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When you have something this good, okay? When you have something this good that the Messiah is here, something that people have been waiting for for centuries, you don't keep it to yourself. Now, Anna, 
Anybody probably would have understood if Anna said, oh, that is wonderful. I've been waiting for so long. And Anna said, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go take my nap now. But Anna didn't. Her whole life had been in preparation for this moment. She made a move and then she shared the message. You have to share it. So the question is, will you? We sing all the time about comfort and joy and peace on earth and the silent night. And at Christmas time, we talk about all those things. And we're really, as a church, as church, we're really good about talking about Jesus. But do we possess what Jesus has offered? Do you possess comfort today? Do you possess the joy of being redeemed? How's it, what kind of difference is that honestly making in your life? What kind of difference is that honestly making in our church? Because church, church is not just about coming and having a service. Church is about living daily with him in accord with one another to share the comfort and redemption that the world needs to know. Some of you are Simeon right now. You just need some comfort. Find it in Jesus. Some of you are Anna right now. You need to just be overwhelmed by the redemption that you have in him. And some of you today, you may be both. You're without comfort because you're without redemption. Come to him today and be saved. As we bow our heads and as we close our eyes, I ask this question. Do you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior? I ask it every Sunday. If you don't know Jesus, today's the day. Put your faith and trust in him. Recognize Christ as your only hope. And then make a move to him. If you have not made a move to him, let today be the day. If you're watching today and you don't know Christ, email us or comment right there on the feed. We want to talk to you. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, come to me, come to, come to Brother Jason in just a moment. Talk to somebody about how you can know Christ as your Savior. But what was that third action step to share the message? If you know Christ, if you have made a move to him, the next thing is we have to share him. How well are you sharing, Jesus? This season is going to give us great opportunities to share Christ, to be the light of the world to somebody. Make a commitment now. I'm going to share Christ with somebody this Christmas season. I'm going to invite them to church, or I'm just going to share my faith. I'm going to turn the conversation away from gifts and Santa and all that stuff, and I'm going to turn the conversation to Christ because he's our consolation. He's our redemption. Heavenly Father, have your will and way in this invitation now. Do as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen.